welcome to episode 41 of the In General Podcast. I'm joined with Chris, as always, and Paul Francis, the co-founder and art director from Chronicle Collectibles. Hey, guys. How's it going, Jack? Always a pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to have you on again. Um, So, Comic-Con. Oh, man, Comic-Con was insane, man. It's, uh, you know, 200,000 people in a room that holds 120,000, and it was... (laughs) It's almost to the point now at Comic-Con where they need to stop having these celebrity signings because literally it just shuts the Comic-Con down. I mean, and it's it's like a wave, you know, it's like a ripple in a pond. You stop one aisle and it ripples three quarters of a mile to the other end of the, <laughs> the convention center and you literally cannot move. And I mean, there were times when it was gridlocked so bad, you couldn't even get to the bathroom. And... Um, you know, I I looked at my little pedometer after the show, and I, I think I'd done something crazy like you know twenty three miles at that show. Oh. And it's just, I mean, it's like you know I could have walked halfway across Dallas. So it's just <laughs> uh, it, it's an insane show. It, it is the mecca, though. I mean, it is it is everything that you want it to be, and we have a really good location. We're right between uh, Mattel and Hasbro and then Star Wars. Lucasfilm is directly across from us. And we share that booth with Toynami, our manufacturer. And we're there by the grace of Toynami and George Son. And I can't say enough good things about Toynami. They elevate our products. And we're very, we're extremely fortunate to have them as a manufacturing partner. That's cool. And I mean, you, you got a lot of praise from the products that you displayed at Comic-Con. And there was some new stuff there as well that haven't really been seen Hell before. a lot right? of new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, at previous Comic-Cons, we'd kind of snuck it out on Facebook. And it, at this one, I, you know, we didn't show any of our six-scale stuff until we were at the show. I think we may have hinted at some of it, and we may have shown some teasers, like faces and stuff like that. But, you know, like Owen and Blue from Jurassic Park, some of the Jurassic Park stuff we hadn't shown at all. Um, you know, but, you know, we only try to show new stuff there, so we don't take old product or product that's sold out. Um, we made one exception with the T-Rex bust because that was actually the production sample on the T-Rex bust and Universal wanted it there because they wanted to come by and see it. So, um, you know, we, we kind of went out on a limb this year. I wanted to have a, a big banner up behind the, the booth that had like four different licenses on it, really graphic. And Universal came back and they said, well, why don't you just put the big T-Rex up there? And we're like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. You know, I don't, I don't really want to promote one license more than I do another. And then when I saw the artwork come back from Bob Lindemeyer, our brilliant graphics designer, um, you know, I was just kind of blown away by it. And I said, oh, okay, let's, let's go exactly. ahead and do it. But the only problem I had with it was, you know, it says, and I'll point this out to the fans because a lot of fans complained at the show, it said Jurassic World on it, and it's clearly the breakout Rex um, coming through the fence. And Universal's new directive is everything in the Jurassic Park universe falls under Jurassic World. Yeah, which makes sense. Obviously, as Chris said earlier, that's that's where the franchise is now. It's Jurassic World, but it is strange that they've now opened a Twitter for Jurassic Park. Yeah, they, they actually split the Twitter. So there's a Jurassic Park Twitter and a Jurassic World Twitter. They're both verified, but the Jurassic Park Twitter has like a thousand followers. The Jurassic World one has whatever it had before. It's like a weird, it's kind of like mixed messaging that they're sending. I, I don't know. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah, I think they're trying to find their way. You know, I mean, I don't know that they really thought Jurassic World was going to be the huge success that it was. Um, and I, I know they weren't ready for it, probably. Um, of course, as Chronicle Collectibles is sitting here, we're extremely happy with the success of Jurassic World. And 
Um, we think that Jurassic Outpost is going to be another winner as well. So um, it's a great time to be a Jurassic Park fan. Yeah, it really is. And yeah, you mentioned the, was it the ninth scale, Owen and Blue? I hadn't seen that. And that just, it looks insane. That looks yeah. so good. I really appreciate that. You know, it's it's from the, the cover of Entertainment Weekly, and I just really love that photograph of him standing there with Blue looking over his shoulder. And, and um, you know, I, I think in Ninth Scale, it gives us the opportunity to put humans with dinosaurs where the dinosaurs aren't 30 inches long or three feet long, whatever it works out to be. So it's just a... It, Kind of creating a new category. Plus, we're hoping they'll be more affordable, maybe in that two fifty to two ninety nine range. You know, where we get it out of that, you know, five hundred to thousand dollar range and get it down to where people can actually afford it. Has yeah. um has Chris Pratt seen any of the work you've done? He has. He's seen the one six scale head. He's waiting on the full body prototype so he can make his final decision. But we didn't get any pushback on the face and the face. For the one six is exactly the face for the one ninth. We didn't change it, so we're kind of like using that as a way to go. Well, this is one ninth, and it's exactly the same. Can you just go ahead and you know just blank yeah. it and approve it? So we think they're going to do that. Um, you know, dealing with the actors, it's kind of tough because Chris Pratt. You know, I mean, he's a he's obviously a huge star, and he's working on a lot of films, so mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to nail him down, and it, it may take a little while to to get him. Uh, approved, but um, he is, we are in the process of that right now. It, but if you relate that with like Vikings, we did the Ragnar from Vikings, and that got approved within about three weeks. So, um, how about Sam Neil? Um, Sam has not seen his likeness. I'm I'm not a hundred percent that I'm on board with the likeness um, as it stands. So I think I want to go back and do a few more edits. Plus. The Owen and the Ragnar were pretty much the finished prototypes, whereas Dr. Grant was still very much um, pre-production, like the shirt's not finished, mm-hmm. the pants aren't finished. We bought some shoes online from a rapper doll, you know, because they wear those <laughs> Timberlands. And, you know, so, I mean, it was we had to go in and, and buy things just to get that to Comic-Con. So I want to go back and retool on Grant just a little bit. I'll tell you what, it was just, even as an early prototype, it's so cool to finally see, like, a collectible Alan Grant from Jurassic Park and just seeing Sam Neill's likeness up there. That's something that I think fans have waited for for a long time. It's insane that it hasn't happened before, and it's just kind of surreal scene. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I'm telling you, it was it was really cool because a lot of people just really dug the six-scale stuff, and, and, you know, we, it's kind of new to us, and it's not something that I don't think we sought out to do. But with Jurassic Park, we saw kind of a void where, well, we're $200 and higher if we keep these things around 200 bucks, you know. And then we got a lot of pushback from Universal in that they said, oh, well, you, you know, you don't have six scale on your license. But her license is written $200 and higher, collectible. It doesn't actually, we don't have scales. We don't have what the product is. It is a very amorphous term in that. You know, a two hundred dollar and higher collectible could be a bedspread. It could be wheels on a car. I mean, it could be anything <laughs> as long as it's two hundred dollars and higher. And we've kind of had to defend ourselves within the past six months because no one wanted this license before Jurassic World came out. And we we paid the guarantee, we paid the licensing fees, and we took a risk on this this movie. And we saw the movie three weeks before the film came out, and I, I think we were laughing all the way out of the theater that my God, this is going to be a huge success and. We just basically, you know, we, we, 
we robbed a bank, basically. You know, I mean, it was, <laughs> and, I, and I hate to say it that way, and I'm not saying that to be arrogant or or crude to anybody, but it's just, you know, sometimes you have to take a risk, and you know, I think that's what we've done with Terminator Genesis, which was hugely successful for us. Even though the movie may not have done that well, it's it's still Terminator and. Terminator resonates with fans, you know, and you have to take that risk. And with Jurassic, you know, we, we were just like, who cares if the new movie's no good? We still want to make Jurassic Park, and we can do that the best that it's ever been because I think only one other statue had ever been made by Sideshow. So, yeah. you know, like I said, I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but I'm just really proud that we stuck to our guns with Universal. We got that license. We, we were like the last pick on the schoolyard. You know, we weren't the first ones in the door. And, and they offered it to everybody, you know, but us. And, I mean, our hat was in the ring, and I think we were just kind of like, eh, well, let's see what these guys can do with it. Now, with the, the success of the Breakout Rex and our relationship with Universal and Amblin's offices, I think they're extremely happy that they made the decision that they did. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, I mean sorry, Chris, go on. Oh, yeah, I'm just saying, like, not only did you walk away with a steal, basically, with the license, but you're actually putting out work that is first pick quality i mean it's not yeah. like it's not like you just stole the license you're like oh well, we'll make whatever it's not i mean i've seen other licensors do that with jurassic uh i don't want to necessarily call them out but there's been some like bobbleheads that aren't top notch but you guys have just like just gone way above and beyond what yeah and even if universal or other companies didn't want it or didn't believe that people would buy these products you've just all you've done really is proven that there's still fans out there and collectors that want real stuff they want genuine collectors items you know something we've never got yeah you're absolutely correct and with and with the breakout wrecks i mean you guys have to understand that we go through about three levels of approval with all of these products i mean firstly it has to pass my approval um, being the art director, and, and when we did the breakout wrecks, it, it took a while for us to get to what we were actually going to do. And Carrie Dammel, our in-house digital artist, our in-house uh, draw artist, um, graphic artist, he drew it up in pencil, and you know we got to see kind of the you know I said I wanted the shape of the base to be Isla Nubar, kind of a little Easter egg that was thrown in there. You know I wanted to see. You know, the logo sunk into the mud, the Jurassic logo. I wanted to see the wreck stepping through. I wanted her to have weight. I wanted her to have purpose, you know. And then, then we thought, well, did we do the fence? Is the fence too hard? You know, can that even be done? And I was just like, yeah, we're going to throw everything at it but the kitchen sink. So then we started doing direct overlays. So as Dean Tolliver, our artist, started sculpting the, um, the breakout wrecks, we did, we did direct overlays to the movie so that we made sure first we had the shape of the dinosaur right. And when she steps through the fence, her I think it's her left leg, one of her toes does this really weird thing in CGI. And we just physically couldn't get her toes to do that. So at some point you kind of have to say, well, we're going we're gonna to fix that because that was obviously a mistake. And then there's other little things you have to tweak. But, but then we send it over to Universal. And here's the great thing, guys. They they don't actually approve it. They send it to Amblin's office, and Amblin's <laughs> office goes, well, we're going to give it to Dennis Murin, and we're going to give it to Glenn McIntosh. I mean, these are these are the visual effects supervisors for the yeah. movie who are sitting there with pencils going, no, her body line needs to be like this, and they're doing these drawings and then sending them back to us. So we're getting these incredible insight, you know, and we'll make the change, and then... We got it all. We got it all finished, and we got it all approved. And and one of our friends, Jonathan, sent us the female casting of the T Rex head. 
Mm-hmm. You can imagine where this is going. <laughs> so we get we get this casting of the female female T Rex head, which really wasn't in private hands. You know, this one hasn't been recast to death. It it it's another great white buffalo. It just doesn't exist. So we get this casting of the one fifth T Rex head. And I went into Dean's office after we'd made a casting of it, and I said, I've got some really devastating news for you. And he goes, what's going on? I said, well, we have to completely redo the T-Rex head. So we did. And, you know, that's what we try to do with each product is, you know, I could rush it, but people took some extreme detailed shots of our T-Rex head at Comic-Con, and you can see every little scale and every little bump and it's all in there, guys. I mean, it's um, we didn't cut any corners with that one for sure. Yeah, it's it's an amazing looking piece. I mean, I I can't I can't properly stress how excited I am for that uh, to finally like eventually see it in person and everything along those lines. That just that is a piece that is really cool. Not just for a Jurassic Park fan, just for a movie fan in general. It's just such an iconic iconic piece, and it yeah. looks it's beautiful. Yeah, it, it, I think it you know it came together really nice. We we were going to use a some well known dinosaur painters to paint this this dinosaur, and at the end I went with an artist. His name is Nathan Eakins. He paints most of our human characters, and he said, "Man, I really wanted to take a, a stab at that breakout Rex." And I had gone down to the Perot Museum and and just poured over mm-hmm. the details of the. I think that one was painted for Lost World that's at the Perot Museum, but it's still in the brown universe of the female. Her stripes on her nose aren't quite as pronounced uh, in the first film. But everybody thinks in the first film that the T-Rex is green. And, you know, when the T-Rex comes through the fence, they think she's green and she has this green cast. And it was really nice to talk to Glenn McIntosh at Comic-Con about... um, the color of the T-Rex because he thought that we absolutely 100% nailed it. And he showed me pictures of blue from Jurassic world in eight different light types <laughs> of light. And in every single type of lighting, she changes complete color. Oh my God. Oh yeah. With like ray tracing the way that light bounces <laughs> so, and it takes the light of the environment. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. So he, he was basically saying that when you, you know, you put a big rubber dinosaur or a CGI dinosaur and a green surrounding with blue lights and you know, all of that's going to reflect and it's going to give you that greenish bluish cast that she had. So when universal originally we sent them the paint job, they came back and they said, Oh, well the T-Rex is green. She's not first. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's only Universal that thinks that, because everyone else knows that first T-Rex is brown. I and I was like, I was just like, oh my god, oh god, I'm not painting this thing green. So <laughs> I sent back an email saying, yeah, we'll, we'll give it another pass. So we showed up at Comic-Con with the Breakout Rex, and I didn't change anything, and, and uh, everybody loves it. It's approved, you know, I mean, it's coming out the way it is. And I'd actually sent pictures of the Rex hunting like I think the the Gallimimus and then tearing the banner down and she's brown in those scenes. Oh, she's yeah. not, she's not green at all. So you know it, it, it it's it's funny sometimes. You know it's it, it's nice now to be dealing with Amblin's office because they get it. They get our vision for this thing. And it's like when we sent the Stegosaurus over. You know they wrote me back and they said, "Oh well, where's the honeycomb pattern on its back?" See that? Um, I was like that- honeycomb. I was like honeycomb pattern. What are you talking about? And then it's like. 
Oh, it's on the style guide for the toys, you know. So, oh my god! Yeah, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think the uh, the honeycomb pattern was on the Jurassic World Stegosaurus. Given the Jurassic World Stegosaurus looked like it crawled out of the fifties with a dragon tail and a giant head, but you know that's you know, a different story altogether. Maybe, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to create something from Lost World. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, exactly. We just we just screen cap as much reference as we can and we send it over and we go hey guys this is really what we're trying to achieve and you know stand in paint it with God. the honeycomb pattern and uh, honeycomb's big yeah 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 but it's not on a stegosaurus you know so <laughs> it's uh, um you know it, guys it's the frustration you know i mean it's 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 with any license or you go through these things and, and believe me Universal, Reb, Jeffrey, if you're listening to this, in no way am I uh, knocking anything that happens over there. We love you guys. And, uh, you know, you guys have to be critical for a reason because so many people get away with so much and we're not that company. You know, we're we're trying to pay homage to these films in as much as, you know, we're trying to make a deal with Glenn right now who not only designed the IREX for, for Jurassic World, but we want him to sculpt it as well. So... Yeah, I I heard you say that in the video interview, and I think that was that's just insane. If that really happens, that's it couldn't be a more accurate IREX from that. I point. don't think it's if it happens, it's when it happens. I'm I'm wanting to start it pretty soon, and and Glenn has already designed it. I mean, he showed me pictures. He did a face off of the IREX and the T Rex kind of walking up, and it's really cool because the IREX is up on its right foot. Its head's turning. Its mouth is just about as wide as it can get. Its tail's whipped around. Its its arms are up like an attack pose, and it's like getting ready to attack the T Rex when they're facing off on the street. And just the way the undulation of the where it's up on its right leg, it just defies gravity, and it just it's such a big dinosaur to be so graceful in that pose. And I, I looked at it, Glenn showed it to me, and I was like, dude, that's it. That's exactly what I want. And then. The Rex would be coming the other direction, you know, getting ready to chomp. But we want a little blue jumping from the Rex to the to the. Oh. And I just that thought, cool. and when he kind of pitched all this to me, I was like, "Oh my god!" And it's already done. I mean, the artwork is finished. He just has to basically detail it out a little bit and cut it up and send it to us. So I think that's definitely something that's going to happen. The other thing that came out of that meeting was um, he has an original Spinosaurus fifth scale. Um, oh, nice. Which uh, is eight feet of Spinosaurus. So we'll have a Jurassic Park female bust. We'll have the Lost World male bust. And then for Jurassic 3, we'll have the Spinosaurus bust. Nice. Which is killer to me because it's such a big piece and it's going to be awesome. But yeah. Bled is such a huge dinosaur fan. I just want to give him a little shout out. I talked to him quite a bit and he's such a big fan. It's cool. He did the uh, he posed the uh, statue for the Blu-ray set. Also, that's the, right. Indominus. So he's he's uh, a oh, genuine really? fan. He's a collector. That. He's uh, I'm pretty sure he's got everything Chronicles got coming out. I think he's already got that all pre-ordered, as far as I know. Uh, uh, he's, he ordered he ordered two of the breakouts, one for him and one for the director. So yeah, and it was really cool at the show. He was showing me that he had taken some of our early concepts that we posted on Statue Forum, and he had, he had done overlays to the film and then sent them to like the director. Dennis Murin. And I'm just like blown away. I was like, man, it's so cool that our stuff is good enough to be shown to, you know, such, uh, such big people in the, in the industry, you know, and, and, and it, it's to the point now to where we're probably going to do a bronze edition, a real metal bronze edition of the breakout Rex. Oh. Uh, 
probably going to do 30 pieces. Uh, we've worked it out with one of the problems that a lot of people complained about with Universal was we were going to do the fifth scale T-Rex, and we may have gotten around some of the problems. We we contractually we have to give so many pieces to Universal as part they of the last approval, right? Everybody does that. There's no problem with it. Universal's take is a little bit more than other companies. Um, so if I'm making 30 to 50 of something and I have to give 14 or 15 of those away, it doesn't make sense to make it. So um, Universal has lowered that number on the bronze so that we can actually make the bronze edition. And, and it looks like they may do that with the fifth scale Rex. So who knows? Maybe a fifth scale Rex will exist one day um, in one form or another. But um, I think the real metal bronze on the on the breakout Rex will be pretty pretty astounding you know yeah. yeah that's and you know honestly if 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 universal are listening by chance this is honestly what the fans are after this is what the fans want you've seen how much they've sold already these uh, kind of collectibles that people when they sold them at comic-con they went mad every yeah. photo we posted even <laughs> like the compi looks insane i want uh, that compi on my desk it, well and the great thing about the compi was it was painted by tim gore i mean he worked on lost world he painted compies i mean he painted everything you know so I mean, him and, him and 200 other people, but yeah. still, the fact that we got an artist that worked on the movie and painted on the copies, you know, I think it says something about us that we're willing to go that extra mile to get them as accurate as possible. For sure. it, and it shows. I mean, it's just such a beautiful piece, even uh, that added layer of authenticity and attention to detail and just honestly care, because I guarantee you other companies aren't doing that. I mean, that that's something that's really special. I mean, I'm not going to knock other companies. I think I think there's a lot of other companies that, that do stuff extremely well. I mean, I, I think Sideshow and Tom Gillen, who's the art director over there, I, th- I think he has a passion like me. I mean, oh, it, it yeah. shows in it shows in some pieces. I'm not saying every Iron Man that comes out, you know, they've got the passion <laughs> for it, you know. But I think the first Iron Man, they probably do, you know. But you know, I think a lot of companies are doing it right. I just think that you have to set yourself apart, and I think the way that we do that is we don't do 80 pieces a year we do 12 or 13 and we do them extremely well so that's that's what i take away from it is that you know we we want to make ourselves different in a way that you know we do these interviews i don't know of other companies that really talk openly about their business you know so it's and and i think that's a way the, the fans it's weird because when we get fans we keep them you know it's like i've got guys who bought a cane robot from us you know two and a half years ago who are still just loyal to this day i mean they just love everything we make they may not buy everything but they're extremely loyal yeah so um the compi itself do you have any word on when that may uh may reach pre-order well we we have everything over to george right now i'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you guys i mean producing stuff in china for universal studios is extremely tough um, you have to have a China, a universal approved factory in China. Water has to be purified into the factory. Water has to be purified out of the factory. Certain safety measures have to be taken to produce these products in China. So um, they're about as hard as Disney is to work with in China. So that being said, Toynami has one of the best universal factories in China. We can only put so much product into the pipeline to where it starts kind of jamming up. So mm-hmm. what we have to do is kind of, you know, stagger it out, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, you know, the compi, what we would like to do, and I'm, I'm just going to tell this to everybody, is we would like to do, you know, maybe two to three products a month. 
um, and spread those out over the month. So one may drop at the first, one may drop in the middle, one may drop at the end, or we may just do two products a month. But what people are going to start seeing is when we do the pre-orders, the back-end delivery may be pushed back. So we, we have to keep producing. If, if I just waited for the factory to catch up, I'd be second quarter next year right now. So I can't do that. So I have to keep, you know, under license, I have to keep producing product. So mm-hmm. you're going to see us pre-ordering, but while the delivery schedules on the back end may be getting pushed back, people shouldn't worry about that, that it's taking longer to get the product done. It's the fact that the factory has to have time to get the first batches out so we can keep moving stuff to the factory, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, it does. It's it's a very complicated process is essentially the message, and it's not always – you can't always predict everything that's going to happen, but you got to work with what you – the amount of space you've got, basically. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not the only you know factory using that universal mm-hmm. factory, so it's not like I, I have enough clout to go in there and go, oh, you're just going to stop doing all of this other stuff for Walmart and God knows who else, you know, and, and yeah. they don't <laughs> – they don't do that anyway. They do high end stuff. So it's, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, they may be doing Disney stuff or other universal products for other people. So, you know, but we have a lot of product in the pipeline right now. I mean, we have, I don't know, I think we have five pieces right now in the pipeline. So uh, I think we have three of those up for pre-order. So, you know, it's it's kind of crazy right now. So. It's going to be an exciting exciting couple of years yeah and we have a question here uh sent to us through twitter which says uh are there any plans for more human figures except alan ian and owen because we know i think uh, oh, uh, you announced ian right absolutely i, I want to do more boom i think he's right after we're doing malcolm malcolm has been started he's we're, we're working on him right now uh, awesome. we're doing um we're going to do a nedry um, oh a nedry <laughs> so you know i'll tell you what Hammond I want to do a Sam Jackson. I want to do Ellie. I mean, I want to do them all eventually. Yeah, I want them all. Yeah. yeah, I think everybody does. You know, and once we start getting the likenesses really down pat, I think the Pratt is extremely strong. I think our Ragnar is gorgeous. You know, I think uh, I think we still have to work. I think Conan's awesome. I just think Dr. Grant, we, we tried a different artist. Um, on Dr. Grant, and while I like it, and it definitely looks like him, I just want to make some tweaks to it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, there were, yeah. It's probably tough also because the, you know, reference pictures that exist are from the movie for the most part. I don't imagine there's great detailed turnarounds of Sam Neill on the set of Jurassic Park that exist today. It's kind of funny. A friend of mine worked on Event Horizon, and he sent me all of Sam Neill's turnaround shots for the makeups that they did on Event Horizon. <laughs> so, even though it was a few years later, we still have you know pretty good reference for him. Um, and we try to do that with every everybody that we deal with. Um, fortunately, with like Vikings, now that our Vikings figures have come out, our next the next person who I won't say who it is, the next character that we're doing in the line. Uh, is on Facebook and saw our stuff, and they've contacted us saying, "Hey, anything that you need, I'm I'm willing to help." So, you know, that's kind of cool, you know. And I, eventually, I'd like to have that with, um, you know, with Jurassic Park. But I think a John Hammond, I got to do Hammond yeah. some, you know, in sixth, and and we're even thinking about doing the bronze from Lost World as a as a finished piece as well. So, of John Hammond, so. You know, we have the we have the cane, the Hammond cane coming out through another company, um, which is being produced right now. So we've, um, you know, we're yeah, all the cane will be exciting. That's a cool prop. 
Yeah, it, it is. We we were lucky in that the company that's purchases purchasing these um, they had owned one of the original canes or at least one of the promotional canes. So we had we were able to, to mold something that was extremely close to what's seen on screen. And right now, our biggest holdup is basically just designing the the little amber and the bug. So we ended up, you know. It's, you can't take a real bug from China and stick it in a piece of hammer and ship it over. It just doesn't work that way. So um, even though he's encased in something that can never be exposed to the air, I guess the TSA has a problem with bugs coming into the country, even if they're dead. So um, we've had to grow the bug digitally and then mold the bug and make injection tooling on the little bug and get it just right. And then the guy who owns the company is being... You know, he's really picky about, oh, well, the proboscis needs to be this long. The legs can't be. And I'm just like, it's a bug, for God's sakes. You know, it's, um, but at the end of the day, we got to get it right. So that's, that's what we're all about. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's a little details, especially, I think what really on that piece, what makes it like difficult, especially is because the amber just draws the eye. And it's just like, as soon as you pop and see that insect, you're just like, it's got to be spot on because that's probably exactly where everyone's eye goes first. It's like uh, yeah. it's like putting a magnifying glass to a piece in its own way. It kind of does it to itself. Oh yeah, I agree hundred percent. I mean, it's um, it, it's got to be right, or you know, it's it's going to look horrible. So you know, we've done a ton of testing here. I did testing here, and we finally got it down to where we know the process for getting the bug into the amber and getting it stationary and keeping it in place. That's not the issue right now. It's just you know. The bug that we were using was kind of large, and most people use like crane flies. And if you look at the hero cane, it's not a big bug. It's actually a pretty small animal that's inside there. So because he's actually long ways, most people kind of tilt them up at an angle, and they're big. And then then you have the magnification of the amber itself. So when you put something in there that has an inch of amber around it, it magnifies the size of the bug. So he's actually pretty small which we've come to find out after printing the thing in three or four different sizes and playing with, um, you know, but I think we finally got it right. I think it, it finally looks good. We just have to get the owner to, you know, the owner of this other company to sign off on it and then we can move on to other fun things like box art and all that. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about too was, um, nobody has seen anything on the box art from these. And I want to let everybody know that each film franchise will be its own series of box art. So I'm fantastic. really excited to see that. Yeah, That's we're going to do so. Jurassic will have its own theme. Lost World will have its own theme. Jurassic World will have its own theme, and eventually, when we do something from three, it will have its own theme as well. So, and I mean, <laughs> the forgotten number three. Yeah, it's not forgotten to me. I mean, I, yeah. I actually enjoy that film. I know a lot of people don't like it. I personally, I like it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, I love the Spinosaurus and the T Rex. Yeah. You know, I think it's all really cool. So. Um, yeah, I like the Spino. I have an appreciation for that movie. It, it's fun. It's good fun. It is. I mean, it, it's it's my probably my favorite piece from that film, and we're going to reproduce it at some point. Is the big pterodactyl on the bridge where he's oh. his wings are all scissored up behind him, and he's walking on his knuckles across that bridge, and he's just yes. so terrifying. <laughs> And, and when I was watching that in the theater, I was like, oh, my God, that's like the one dinosaur I would not want to mess with, you know. Yeah. I mean, that at least you run from the other stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that whole, se- that whole scene, the whole sequence, as Chris said, it's 
it's like a horror film. Yeah, it plays it's out just, so that, scary. In my opinion, that sequence is like it's like kind of almost like removed from the movie because it's so good. It's like you know, Jurassic Park three. I'm not the biggest fan, admittedly, but it's got a lot of cool, a lot of cool. Like if you take snapshots of the film, it's got a lot right. of cool snapshots. In my opinion, it does. I, I would agree with that 100. percent But I, I think that big pterodon, pterodactyl, whatever he is, when he's walking across that bridge on his knuckles, I was just like, yeah, I gotta make that. Now I know Stan Winston sculpted that maquette because I have seen it and I have yet to find it. But um, I was talking to Glenn at the show, and he's like, "Oh, I can retrieve that. I can do that." So he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> we could just print that." And I was like, "Great. Well, let's nice. You need to bust that out because that's one that I definitely want to do." And uh, yeah, yeah, he that 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 animal is just is so wicked. I'd like to do a an ankylosaurus at some point too. That would so be cool. That is my all time favorite dinosaur. So same with a. Uh, the Jurassic World director Colin Trevorrow, that one's his favorite as well. So, oh really? If you ever do that one, give him an email. Let him know that you guys are doing that because I'm sure he'll be excited. Well, I, I actually thought about doing something with it and the little gyrospheres that are in it. So, uh, I'd like that would, to do, be, that would be very cool. I'd yeah. like to do that little gyrosphere and something. I just thought it was a kooky, weird little vehicle that they had made for the film that was totally impractical. But, uh, <laughs> you, you know, it could probably never work. But And maybe it exists. I don't know. Maybe it actually exists. You know, it's, what inspired them for it, it's really funny. It's the, uh, ever hear of the Sphero? The little remote control Sphero thing? It's yeah. literally what inspired the gyrosphere and what inspired BB-8. Um, the difference is BB-8, I think they actually got to practically work, and I'm still not entirely convinced the gyrosphere could work. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, they had the Sphero in the office, and they are like, you know what, we can kind of pass this off. If this little ball, we can control this ball gun around, we can make a gyrosphere. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it does, I think that's kind of funny, though, that inspired two major blockbusters in the same year with two kind of... I mean, I wouldn't say the gyrosphere is, is iconic as BB-8, because BB-8's no. character, but... um. I don't know. I thought that was a little funny little detail hearing them both talk about it on like the Blu-ray special features, like how they have this inspiration and turns out the same little goofy little device. It's kind of neat. I think I want it make made out of bulletproof glass, though. Something that couldn't be eaten by an Indominus. You know, it's like yeah. maybe swallowed whole. <laughs> <laughs> Can't break it. Swallows okay. Like, I mean, you can survive that. So. Uh... So the packaging, the whole packaging idea is cool. And I was going to ask, we were talking about the um, the ham and cane. I saw at the at Comic Con you had uh, the goggles and the Barbasol can. Does that mean you're going to um, produce some Barbasol canisters? Uh, Barbasol is a double license. I'm not going to lie; it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. We've reached out to Bar. We have our licensing agent contacting Barbasol right now. There's been no pushback from Barbasol. Um, yeah, they seem like a really good company. They seem they're very engaging with fans. Yeah, the the only thing is we want to produce the original label, which we had an artist recreate the original label for the Barbazol can because it's kind of funny, you know, my my partner collects original film props and he's like, "Oh man, this guy offered me this original cryo can." I was like, "Oh yeah, well, send me a send me a picture of it." I mean, it had a website on it. And I'm like, "Dude, nothing from 92 had a website on it." You know, so <laughs> You know, so we're we're reproducing the label and getting with Barbasol. I I think it will be easy, you know, to to get all that wrapped up. The only thing is, you know, my friend Rilo at Palmetto Effects, who's made crowd cans for the past twenty years and has done them extremely well in every iteration of it that you could imagine. Um, 
has probably burnt that market out. I, I would say, though, that we could probably sell a few hundred of them, you know, just for the show. I was going to say, it's something that I've been looking for for a long time, and, and they rarely show up nowadays. Mm-hmm. I, I see them yeah, on eBay, but I mean, they're always, you know, $500 or something. The original right. cans have disappeared, and I think that's half the issue, is, like, right. a lot of these guys, they buy the original cans and the labels, and they're just not around. Yeah, I know Rallo, for a while, it looked like he was, he looked like a Walmart shopping center, you know, I mean, he had you know, cases of these things just sitting all over his house, you know, but, um, you know, I think a licensed one would sell, you know, we, we made the I'd mail. buy one. I have yeah, one. Mail bus. And I think just for the sheer fact that it's licensed makes the difference, you know? Oh, um, so I, I, I think that's definitely something I, I'm more excited about the Jurassic Park goggles, the night vision goggles than I am the, the Barbasol can. Um, even though my friend Rilo did the night vision goggles, I don't think he made more than 50. I don't, I don't think he made more than 50 sets of those. And, uh, I sculpted that originally in, in about 2008. So, um, it's kind of neat to have made that piece for the fans back then. And now I get to make it again as a licensed piece. So, um, I find that extremely ironic and fun. And, um, we're actually going to the archives while the while the Universal Archive doesn't hold much of the original Jurassic Park stuff, uh, props and costumes and stuff, what they do have is the set of goggles that were used in Jurassic Park and in Lost World. They're seen on the counter, um, and uh, we're going to have a company called Captured Image. They're going to go out to LA and they're going to laser scan those for us, and then we're going to digitally print them and recreate those. So I think that's as close as we can get because Universal will never let us mold those. Mm-hmm. So. By late, you know, now we have the technology where we can just scan it and print it, and it's 100%. So yeah. that's what we're going to do with the goggles. And I think the goggles will be extremely popular. We had a huge, I mean, we posted a sneak peek right before Comic Con on the goggle, and on social media, it did breakout numbers. So, you know, anytime some, we post something up like a Compi or the Night Vision goggles and it does breakout numbers, we, we pretty much know it's going to do pretty well. Yeah. So we've had, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I want to get through some of these questions on Twitter. We've yeah. had a few. Most of them were asking if there's going to be more one-sixth scale figures and people saying Ellie, Muldoon, Nedry, Hammond, yeah. so the same thing. But Jaroslav, a good friend of ours, has asked, um, are they hiring and are they allowed to do vehicles in dioramas and then brackets, the Lost World in-gen roundup scene? Oh, man. You know, I want to do the scene where the little dude gets eaten out of the Mercedes by the two t uh, Yes. <laughs> Everyone wants <laughs> that. And he's just and my that. idea for that was to do it at night scale. So you would have... Oh, perfect. Like, you would have, like, just a portion of the car, like, coming out of the canopy, and then you'd have the two T-Rex heads coming down on it, you know? So you're it's yeah. kind of like a... Almost like a relief, almost, you know? And... um Oh, God, yeah. I want to do vehicles. I mean, I want to do the Explorer. Because when we did the Breakout Rex, I thought it was close to 20th scale until we actually started sculpting the base, and then I figured out it's 25th scale. So um, sorry all those people have Lindbergh Explorers that won't fit with our Breakout Rex. (laughs) Well, I guess that gives a possibility in the future then. It does. The little Mercedes from... uh, Lost World will fit with it. I think it's 25th scale. So uh, I know they made it as a model. I think they made the Hummer as a model kit too. So I probably wouldn't reproduce those um, as kits because, or as models because they already exist. But I think the Explorer or the Jeep or something like that, you know, it just, it just depends. You know, it, it, making a model car 
it's weird, guys. You know, if you want to make a model car, you really have to be pot committed on are you doing a curbside model, and curbside means it doesn't have an interior, and it's just the body with the chassis and the wheels, or are you actually going to do a full-blown, you know, recreation where it's all injection molded and, you know, to do three to 500 of something and have to pay fifteen to $20,000 in tooling, you kind of see where that math gets pretty skewed really quick when you have to amortize that money over 500 units or even 1,000 units. I mean, it, it's a big difference when you're, you got $20 right off the top for a metal mold. So yeah. it, it, I think it's so strange, though, how, you know, Jurassic Park's been out since 93, we all know, and there's never been an accurate um, product of the of the Explorer from the film, and it's one of the most iconic vehicles from the nineties, right? That's not entirely true. Lindbergh models made a twentieth scale Explorer, so I mean it does exist. I don't know that it's truly screen accurate, but it is out there. I don't know if it has the bubble window on the top. I haven't seen. Yeah, I, I've seen that. I don't think it's. Yeah, I don't think it's fully accurate, but it's um, and it's hard to get. That's the problem. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just, you know, it's like everything. It's a hundred bucks now. I saw one at Comic Con. The guy wanted a hundred dollars for it, and I was just like, "Well, if it'd been in scale, I would have bought it. <laughs> I bought it for mine, you know." So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of odd. I, um, I don't. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, have with, a with the explorers, you know, I would love to do them and. You know, I would love to do one in, in some kind of scene, you know, with a Rex or with something else. And, and But it's just, it's one of those things where it's really expensive to make a car. Yeah. And people don't realize I mean, that's, that. That's understandable. That's understandable. Um, so Justin has asked, he asked if you have any plans for the Ambercane prop, which we know. Uh, he also said a Dilophosaurus bust. Yeah, we have one. Um, it doesn't have the, the frills or anything, but we have one. And it's something that we're considering, you know, for uh, for Jurassic. So we could put that in the bus, in, in our line, uh, for sure. Um, it's not like a priority right now, but I would say be patient. And once we start getting through the dinosaurs, we'll probably, mm-hmm. you know, visit it at some point. You know, I've got a question to add there. How about a one-ninth Dilophosaurus? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it in the video. I already have this thing designed in my head. I want the front of the Explorer coming through the woods or through the canopy, and I want Nedry standing there holding the cable and a little guy in front of him going, I'm going to run over you when I come back down this hill. <laughs> and oh, that man. is totally happening. That scene is, I'm 100% going to recreate that. So with the water flowing down and, you know, he's kind of slid down the hill and he's got the tow cable, and there he is. There's a little guy, you know, and... uh I totally yeah. do that. I think that, that would be, be just one of yeah. little vignettes, you know. And the other one I want to make really bad too is Owen on his motorcycle with the Raptor Squad in that scale. So you'd have Owen <laughs> jumping over the log and the four Raptors coming around it. So that would uh, be really cool. That, that one's probably going to happen at some point too. That that would yeah, be that really would be fun. fun. People would be very excited. I mean that that scene really that that scene caught on as well as the scene where he's uh, kind of holding his hands out as the three of them kind of uh, creep up on him. Those right. two scenes really they really caught on in pop culture. They've uh, right. really hit kind of an iconic status pretty quickly, and I, I know people would definitely love them. Yeah, I mean, in night scale, we can do so much. You know, I think the T, I think the sick trike is actually night scale. So my idea is not just to put the sick trike out, but to have the little Doctor Grant leaning on it and making the happy face. I think, but having, <laughs> but having it as a separate piece, 
So, hey, you can dis- you can display it as the sick track maquette from Stan Winston, or you can have a little Dr. Grant on there, and now it's it's one of our nine scale diorons. That's nice. I, yeah, that would be insane. I think the nine scale really, really lends to itself to. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think the Stego is about nine scale. So if the trike comes in about that size, which I don't know if it's bigger or smaller, I, I you know it's been years since I've seen one. Um, you know, we'll we'll play with it, but I think whatever scale it is, I'm putting a little Doctor Grant with it because I just think it makes it magical. You know, I mean that's such a happy moment in that film when he's he's laying on that trike and it's breathing. You know, I think that's just funny. Yeah. Another iconic moment it from is. the first movie, yeah. Speaking of that Stego, I want to uh, mention how big it really is. Like, I think a lot of people, they hear the specs and they don't realize it, but when you see I mean, they're saying they're big. It's nice. Yeah, the, all the maquettes are rather large. You know, people at the show were like, oh, the T-Rex bust is so tiny. And I'm like, no, the Raptor busts are massive. Gigantic. Yeah, they're like seven feet tall. You know, I mean, they're when they're standing erect, you know, I mean, they're they're huge. And people don't realize how big some of this stuff really is until they see it in person. Because nobody in person said the T-Rex bus looks small. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it, it was big. Um, it's a nice piece, in my opinion. The size is, like, perfect. And for me, at least. Yeah, I mean, and, and I have one hanging on the wall here in my office, and it's just awesome. You know, I just, I love the thing. So, you know, with the Compi, it's one-to-one. It's 30 inches long. You know, I mean, it's it's a big piece. You know, some of these things are a commitment, you know, and... We did the breakout wrecks. Everybody was complaining, oh, it's too small. Why didn't they make it bigger? And, and I look at the breakout wrecks. It's like, it won't even fit in our showcases. And we have big showcases, <laughs> you know, here, here at work. And it's like, I have to I have to put the thing in there sideways. And, um, you know, I, I just, I think it gets to a limit to where we don't want to, we don't want to size people out of the market. You know, with yeah. the Indominus, I'm going to keep it about 24 inches even though the Indominus in scale with our breakout wrecks would be about 30 inches long, we, me and Glenn figured out, um, we're going to have her tail curl around so that we keep it within like that 22 to 24 inch window. And I, I think that's good for people, you know, yeah. you get much bigger than that. And it's like, God, where do I put this damn thing? You know, and then, yeah, we, then we size people out of the market, you know, and, and you price people out of the market, you know, ideally with that, with the IREX, I'd like to keep it about the same price as the, as the breakout, you know? So, um, even though it's a much bigger dinosaur, but it's something about the IREX, it's really grown on me. I, I really dig it. And I think it's super cool. And, you know, it looks I, like an abeliosaurid. Like, I mean, it looks like it's the same family of like Carnotaurus, Majungasaurus. Like it, it, it looks like a real animal. It doesn't look like a monster despite its genetic heritage or whatnot. It's, it's a really cool looking dinosaur. Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled about the color palette they, that they used on it, to be honest with you, but I, I get that they're going for that color-changing chromatophore thing, which really wouldn't do what they did in the film anyway, but that's <laughs> that's a whole nother... That's one of those picky nerds that's just like, oh, I wouldn't do this in real life, you know? And it's just like, yeah, whatever. You know, you but just gotta, you got to suspend belief, you know, and just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool-looking animal. It's, um... It is. It's it, vicious. It, it yeah. And I, I love its teeth and just the little horns above its eyes. It's got a lot of character to it. I, I thought it was fun that uh, at the at Comic-Con, Glenn showed us the original uh, CGI for when the when the Indominus first escapes and she grabs its first victim, the little guy she picks up and she chomps him and then rips him in half. There's like a tree in the way. You know what happens, but you don't see it. But we actually got to see the Indominus re- literally just like a 
chicken leg. She reaches up and grabs the little guy's leg and rips it off and then downs the body and then eats the leg. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that was great. And I guess the director said, man, there's going to be little kids watching this movie. And I'm like, well, did they not see the scene where the two Rexes pull the little dude apart and lost the world? in half? Well, I'll, yeah. I, I, there was a interview with Colin Trevorrow, and it was interesting. He said that the uh, MPAA, they had him remove a bunch of blood from the dinosaurs on the movie because they said otherwise he'd have to go rated R. And he was just like, I guess they've become, they've become more serious with that or something. Um, so I, I don't know if maybe that was part of the issue, but damn, I don't know. It was pretty graphic. I mean, I was, I was, we watched that scene over and over for like three or four times just because the movement was gorgeous. I mean, the way they animated it was absolutely perfect, you know, and all the gore and everything that was going on. I was just like, man, that was beautiful. He's like, I know. And they covered it up with a tree. And I'm like, yeah, that happens, you know? So it was, uh, it was good though. It's, it's good to make those relationships, you know, and, and to be honest with you, Glenn was camped out with us every day of the show. And I think he was really proud of what we were doing. And, and uh, with the Owen and the blue, even though he had nothing to do with that, he said our blue was a hundred percent spot on. So if I'm um, not mistaken, he posed blue for the cover of that. He magazine. did that. The yeah. the actual pose that we did uh, for the Entertainment Weekly was done by Glenn. And then one of the things that he liked that we did, if you look at our blue, her hands are really pulled up, like they're really curled back on themselves. Whereas mm-hmm. most people leave them out. Ours are really curled up tight, and he's like, "Man, most people miss that detail." And I was like, "Oh yeah, no, no, we we get it. You know, we we saw it, but." You know, it's uh, it's pretty cool. But some other big news, we're working with Crash McCreary. <laughs> I saw that in the one video. Um, any chance you could give us a hint on what exactly that might lead to? Absolutely. You can have the exclusive. We're doing the Baby Raptors. The three baby raptors playing. I know the exact piece you're talking about. That the piece where the three of them are kind of like playing and like. Uh, there's one scratching his eye. There's one laying on his back, clawing at another one. One's got his leg pulled up like a chicken. So yeah, it's um, the three baby raptors. That's going to be our kickoff piece for our legacy series with Crash. And we hope to do a lot more stuff. He's he's just. I mean, I said it in the video. You know, Greg Paul and Crash McCreary are why dinosaurs don't grab their tails. So you oh. know. And Crash created this whole world. And to me, you know, Stan Winston, yes, he produced the dinosaurs, but Crash definitely made them the way they are. Oh, Crash has been an inspiration of mine growing up. I mean, I've I've always just admired his artwork um, for the Jurassic franchise. And I mean, it, when he doesn't, when he hasn't had an effect on the shapes of the dinosaurs in the movies, you can tell which ones he didn't really influence. And right. They, I, I would have liked to see, I would like to see more from him in the future. Is he's just him and a bunch of other artists, obviously. <laughs> right. he, he really I don't know. He, he's done a lot of cool work, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Crash is um, you know extremely talented. I, I love you know a lot of the films that he's worked on, and uh, you know it really shows his art kind of shows through to the final per- product in, in most cases. And one of the things that I've always loved was the was that drawing of the baby raptors, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I have it hanging on my wall at home, and I just um, I love it. And when I pitched him hard to work with us, you know, it's you know a lot of these guys, you know, it was so much of their life working on these films that you know they may not have an affinity for it like they did when they first started. So 
you know, the fact that he was willing to say, yeah, you know, I really want to do this. I think you guys are the guys to do it and, um, you know, take a little bit of a risk with us. But um, I should be able to show something soon on the Baby Raptors, and I'll let you guys put it up first. Oh, wow. Awesome. That would be, that would be sweet. That would but be they're really one-to-one cool. one scale. They're going to be one-to-one scale, all three of them on a base. Uh, Crash is going to sign the plaques. Uh, he may actually sign the certificates of authenticity for it, too. So, Oh, wow. That that is really really cool. I'm really excited for that. Oh, that's and another awesome. thing too. We may be including a signed Stegosaurus print with the Stego for people who have bought through the website. We haven't announced that yet, but that may be just a little added bonus that everybody will get um, with their Stego. That wow, wow, that's awesome. That is I really, really want that Stegosaurus. Uh, that's one thing <laughs> I wanted to ask actually. Just getting out of. Uh, you know, people who live outside of the U.S. Is there anywhere elsewhere that maybe we could purchase from to avoid those? Like, yeah, I know, guys. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the fees that kill everybody. I, I think what we may do with, um, you know, with the crash piece, we're definitely going to make that, that worldwide. You know, it'll be available worldwide with the Baby Raptors. With the add-on, with the Stego, when we typically make it, you know, a, a, per, a direct purchase only. Unfortunately, it's a direct purchase only. You know, we kind of have to stick to that because, um, you know, we try to capture as much of that retail dollar in the first 30 days as we can, and then we put it out, you know, as wholesale. So, you know, it's just an incentive. It incentivizes the our fans and customers who are loyal to us and our overseas buyers, you know, to keep coming back and buying from us. Yeah, of course. That, I mean, now, that's not to say that we couldn't take his running T-Rex print and put that out as a poster. Um <laughs> The problem with that is I got to check with Universal because what we would probably do is uh, offer it as a shipping thing where you just pay the shipping on it because it wouldn't be $200 or higher. Um, we'd have to do it more as a promotional piece. But there may be something where we can do something signed of his where you know he, he just wants to give back to the fans and maybe we do it as a lottery or something like that. So I'm sure we can work something out in there. That, that would I mean, honestly, that would be incredible. There's so many pieces of Crash's work that are just very, very iconic and synonymous with the Jurassic franchise that uh, a lot of fans very much know, like very well. So I mean, just I'm so also much sure that I could. I'm also sure that I could, you know, get a couple of copies and send them to Jurassic Outpost, and you guys could give them away. And if you guys decided to keep a couple of them, I wouldn't be offended. So. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, everyone would love that. Everyone yeah, would love that. that would be that would be really cool. Um, there's just a few things before like we wrap up. I'm just looking again at the the one night scale Owen and Blue. I just it's such a perfect scale. It's such a perfect size and like Nedry or or even Muldoon with a raptor behind yep. him. Could you imagine that would be insane? <laughs> yeah, just, it's uh, it's coming, guys. I mean, if you can imagine it, we're gonna try to make it. So, you know, we get a lot of feedback from the from the internet and it's funny, we had one artist in France, I think, has already been designing night scale dioramas for us and sending Oh wow sending us the concepts. And one of the <laughs> concepts that he did was pretty ingenious and I'm probably gonna use it and I'm gonna give him full credit on it. So um, you know, I may actually pay him. So it's uh, one of those things where if you have an idea, if you have an old maquette if you have an old piece of artwork, you know, sitting in your in your basement that you bought at auction, or if you have you got it from a friend, you know, get in contact with us because we we do pretty generous uh, trades for originals. 
So um, one guy who's who is supplying us with a few pieces will get a a uh, a really heavy discount on future products indefinitely. So uh, you know we we do try to do creative deals with people. Mm-hmm. Um. Because oh, so much of this stuff resides with the fans. Universal doesn't have anything. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we really have to rely on the fans to get this stuff. Oh, yeah. It's they're all it's all sitting in private collections because, you yeah. know, Stan Winston Studios doesn't exist anymore. You know, they became, well, they didn't legacy. become Legacy. They kind of split off and then Legacy formed from, you know, the new beginnings of that. And then Stan Winston School happened, but there's no proper archive. Yeah, and the family sold most of everything, I think. I mean, I know Matt still has some really cool maquettes and stuff, but it's just, it's expensive, you know, and I, it's not that I don't want to deal with the family or I don't want to deal with legacy, you know, I, I really would. It's just, it's an economy of scale, you know, when I'm making three to 500 or something there, again, if I'm paying $20,000 for an original or something like that, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't make sense to, to deal with those kind of numbers. Absolutely. Um, I mean, just a final question from me, and you may not be able to talk about it, but obviously Jurassic World 2, you guys are going to be making products for that, correct? Well, the way our contract is written that we kind of are in line for that. Um, There's no guarantees that we will get first rider refusal. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to go to the mat on it, though, and I'm (laughs) going to use – I'm going to try to pay them some hefty royalty checks. I, I'd like to clear our guarantee by the end of the year, uh, which we're on track to do that. So, you know, it's the people that put money in the coffers that usually win, although um, Amblin and Universal offices have all also told us that it's not about, you know, the money. It's more about the quality, and we like to hear that. because That's, I that's great to hear. I think they're extremely happy with the quality of the product that we're doing. And as long as with the six scale line and all of our lines, we're making product and we're being successful with each product. We may have a couple of hiccups along the way, um, but you know, not everything's going to sell as well as, I mean, to be honest with you, we're going to do 300 stegosaurus. It, it wasn't as popular as a breakout Rex. I understand that, you know, it's a, it, you've got to be passionate about stegosaurus to buy it. It's a big piece. So, but at 300 pieces, it makes sense. And, um, you know, I think I wish everything would be a breakout Rex, but we know that we've got to be unique and creative to get those kind of numbers every time. So I, I think that's what's, when, when it comes to Outpost, I mean, we're, we're definitely looking for 25th anniversary next year. We're gearing up for that. Universal's working with us on that. Um, they're moving the Jurassic Park experience from Australia to the United States, which is going yeah, to Philadelphia tour. first. Um, actually, our products are going to be on display at the museum tour, and it looks like we may actually be building some of our large scale pieces where we have one to one raptor molds and seven foot T Rexes. We may actually be building some of that stuff for the experience, so the fans can actually uh-huh. see the pre production process. So, you know, Universal's. I, I think as we get through this process, guys, I think they're going to. You know, the more we can do for them and the more they can do for us, you know, it's kind of a quid pro quo thing. And, and we're all about helping. And, and, you know, when they did licensing trade show in Vegas, they asked us to take the breakout wrecks there. I flew it out personally. I set it up in their case. Um, did anybody notice it? I doubt oh, it. Oh, yeah. It, well, it was, hey, the, it was the fact it that home. I took it, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it made it on display. So it's, it's those little things and those relationships that, 
you know, and as long as the fans are happy with what they're what we're doing, and they let Universal know that we're happy with what we're doing, like guys like you who are an important part of the whole process, um, you know, with your website and everything, you know, I, I think all that at the end of the day, they'll weigh all that when the next film comes out, and hopefully we'll get it, you know, and we're we're going to go hard for it, you know. I mean, it doesn't make sense for one company to have four of the films and not the fifth. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely want to see I, I just the breakout wrecks and the other products speak for themselves. I mean, it is something just I want to see more and I really want this to be an ongoing thing. As long as you guys are still enthusiastic about it, I want to see those different pieces coming out because they look great and I'm really excited for what the future may hold. Yeah, and and that, it's, harder, it's harder for a new company to come in and just take one new film with unknown people where it, you know what 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 you rely on is getting Dr. Grant you rely on getting Owen you rely on getting the old dinosaurs you know if you just came in and you licensed Jurassic Outpost that could be a huge risk you know because the people could be unknowns you know the dinosaurs it could be a an in-between movie where they're building up for the third which is going to be the big finale you know so there could be you know, it could be a risk for a company, but for a company like us, it's already establishing our brand in Jurassic Park. I think it's just a natural progression. Yeah. Um, you know what? I do have a question. Last time we did a podcast, you hinted that you might be thinking about doing a Mosasaur piece. Is that still something that might come into still fruition? Good. Oh, yeah. We're not – we haven't stopped on that. It's just the, the Mosasaur is probably going to be in our, like, night scale line, even though it's – Probably not going to be ninth scale. It's going to be a lot smaller than that. Probably that thing's ninth. huge. So even ninth scale would be gigantic. Uh, I don't yeah, that's that. probably too big. Now that I think about it, yeah, it's probably going to be more like the Rex. Probably twenty fifth scale somewhere around in there. It's still pretty big, but I mean, my idea for that is a clear block of water with the Mosasaur coming out, biting the little whatever that little hybrid thing was the, that it the weird pteranodon that looked kind of like a bat. Yeah, my brain's totally fried right now, so I can't think of his name, but when he bites that, you know, the girl's inside and, and like, the Jurassic... Brutal. Like, the, the Jurassic part, or Jurassic World logo, I'd like to have in ripples in the front of the block. Oh, so that, oh cool, yeah. Very cool. subtle, but it's in there, you know, like, it's rippling, and then actually have, like, the fin of the Mosasaur cutting through one side of the block, so it actually... You know, it, it, you're bringing it out of not just the top plane, but one of the side planes as well. Because defying gravity is that kind of thing that I like. So, yeah, uh, y'all know Mosasaur is definitely on the list. Um, somebody asked me if I was going to do it eating the Indominus, and I'm like, no, that's just a little too crazy, you know. But uh, I have to keep things affordable, guys. You know, I mean, not everybody can afford $500 T-Rexes, and I'm sorry it costs $500. It's just... People have to understand Universal Factories, Toynami's the best. You know, we try to do art, not statues. So it's it costs a little bit more. Yeah. You know, it costs a tad more. So um, just trying to do everything we can. You know, Jurassic, we're not sitting on our hands. You know, with Jurassic Park, we're, I, I think we live and breathe it every day here. And, you know. Yeah, and I think Comic Con showed that. Everyone that's uh, reacted to the article that we posted showing some of the artwork and everyone that's posted about it on Twitter is just amazed yeah. at the lineup and the products that are coming. So awesome. honestly, congratulations, Paul. Like it's, this Thank is you. what the fans have really been waiting for. And 
Yeah. Yeah, people are thrilled. They're buzzing about it. And, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, it gets a lot of traction when we post about it. You can see the numbers of the views and the clicks and the shares and the retweets. And it, 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 it's really capturing people's attention. They're excited. They're happy. And they, they, well, want, they, they want more. I'll have Chris or um, I'll have Alex um, send you over some pre-production stuff, like us making some of this stuff for Comic Con, and uh, let you sneak some of that up. So I think that'll yeah, that that would be really, yeah, that would be cool I think for people the fans want to see, to see that as well. Yeah, people love yeah. the behind-the-scenes process. I know I personally do. It's really cool mm-hmm. to see the hard work and artistry that just goes into creating art. Yeah, I think uh, Alex posted yesterday, uh, like him painting his. Uh, I painted the male ra- or male raptor for Comic Con, and Alex painted the female. And he did a couple of behind the scenes photos for Twitter, I think, yesterday. And yeah, I saw one of those, I believe. It kind of blew up a little bit. So we'll do some of those kind of things for you guys, and um, you know that maybe that'll get some hits for you guys, get get the popularity up, and, and those kind of things. So I do want to say one last thing about the the raptor busts. Um, it looks like we're going to do one version of the bust, which will be the open mouth version. Um, and we may not do the male paint job on that particular bust. We've got to get with the factory. My idea was to do one pose of the mouth, but offer either paint job and either set of eyes. So, um, the factory's gotten back to us saying that it probably, you know, if we only sold 30 males and 500 females, then, it's kind of expensive for them to tool up, even though it's the same, the exact same body to tool up for that paint job. So um, we'll have to see how that goes. But for right now, it's just the female raptor in that pose for right now, and that, that should be up for pre-order within the next thirty days. We're hoping. Do you know? Awesome. Do you know what the price is that you're targeting? I know it might not be something you're ready to talk about. I know it's going to be pricey. Yeah. That's a big, beautiful piece. Yeah, you know, and I, and, I, and I try to tell everybody, you know, if you look at Elite Creature Collectibles, who's one of the companies that Toy Nami deals with, you know, this piece is bigger than anything they've produced. So, um, ideally, if I had to hazard, I would say between $1,200 and $1,500. Okay, that's probably where, is, where I was expecting it to be. Is, is where I would like to keep it, and on a 10-month payment plan, you know, $120, $130 a month, that's kind of palatable, so... Um, you know, it's not two thousand. It's not somebody says it's going to be twenty five hundred dollars. I'm like, no, that's crazy. We're not, we're not cinema cat. We're not going to go that that crazy with it. You know, so I, I would like to keep it under fifteen hundred dollars. And I think for the size of it and the value of what you get, I think it's pretty cool. So as soon as it gets back, I think our crate lands here on Thursday of next week. We're going to take them out of the crate. We're going to start having picture people pose with these things so they can actually <laughs> see how big they are. Yeah, do do some cinematic shots where it's like coming out. Like do like a kitchen sequence. Do your own kitchen sequence with that thing. Yeah, I, you know people people have said you know Heather who poses with most of our stuff. She must be a midget, and you know she she must be a little person. And I'm just like she's really not. She's she's probably about five eight. You know she's thin, but she's she's not tiny. And uh, <laughs> you know it's just our products are really that big. Now me on the other hand, I'm 250 pounds and I'm six foot four. I make everything look pretty small. So it's <laughs> it's it's that weird balance where you have to find the right per. And Alex, bless his heart, he's smaller than Heather. So you know to give him something, it, it's like oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Like a little kid holding it, you know. So he's gonna hate me for saying that. But it's uh, like but Tim, it's Tim and the Velociraptor. 
Yeah, I guess. So it's uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, that's why it's great with Comic-Con. That's why it's great with Wonderfest, the, the couple of shows that we do a year. We're also doing Jurassic Con in L.A. in September. September. T- oh, I heard about that, yeah. So, um, right. That's going to be exciting. John uh, Joshua Belez, I think is how you say his last name. He's yeah. throwing that. And um, he also... Yeah, I saw a picture of you with Brent as well, who was uh, an extra in Jurassic World. Uh, uh, you, Josh, and Brent uh, with it. Yes, in- yes. Sorry, yes. That's uh, those are the guys that are throwing Jurassic Con, and I think the Chiodo brothers are going to be there. They're going to have a big display of props, and we're going to fly out two or three pieces and do that show for them. So I think it's free yeah. to the public too. It's a Frankenstein show. I don't think it costs anything to get into the show because it's a it's a signature. It's like a collectible signature show and toy show. Um, so I don't think it costs anything to the public to come in and people should come out and check out. We'll have the one-to-one Raptor there and probably the breakout Rex and probably, and we should have Owen and blue painted by then. So, um, we'll have those on display along with some of the six scales. So we're going to fly out a couple of, you know, key pieces. It won't be the whole Comic-Con rigmarole, but it'll be, Mm -hmm. it'll be a portion of it. Um, and we're one of the sponsors of the show. So, yeah, come out and see us at Jurassic Con. It's a Frankenstein show. It's in L.A. Don't exactly know where it's at, but I'm sure it's easy with the old Google box there. We can find it pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll probably um, we'll, we'll spread the word about that when it ne- yeah, near the time. And then uh, you, uh, um, you, New York uh, Comic Con? I'm sorry? New York Comic Con uh, for this year? You know, we really probably should be doing New York Comic Con. It's just... It's so close to San Diego, and mm-hmm. and you know we're not sideshow. We're not one of these bigger companies. You know, we just um, we have a you know a limited amount of publicity budget. You know, and uh, I'm going to do Jurassic Con in September, and I think uh, George is going to have some of our pieces in his booth at Comic Con, New York Comic Con, but we won't physically have a presence there. Uh, who will have pieces? Toy Nami, Toy Nami. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Probably the Breakout Rex, maybe the. the I think they're going to have one of the six scale figures there, probably Owen. So they're they're going to have a presence. We'll have a presence there, but we won't like have a booth. You know, we yeah we don't have a booth at Comic Con. We have a piece of George's booth because he's our distributor and our manufacturer. Yeah. So we're we're there by the grace of George. You know, and we've been there for three years in the same spot. And this year was the first time that we've kind of felt the restraints of the cases that we're in and. We we're actually talking to him about maybe getting a little more floor space for next year. So um, I would like to get these things out of the case and on pedestals mm-hmm. so people can get all the way around it. So, um, yeah. But yeah, oh, I mean, you know, we're two and a half years in in October. We're three years old. And, and um, you know, we've got Terminator Genesis and we've got what the third largest film franchise of all time. So I think we're pretty lucky, you know, for where we're at. And uh, I don't see us slowing down anytime soon. And, you know, just keep checking back with us. The big thing I would tell your fans and our fans is get on the mailing list because if you don't know about us, if you don't know where to order our products, at least with the mailing list, you'll get notifications of when mm-hmm. stuff's going up for pre-order. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll obviously on our website as well keep plugging away when things become available and try to help people see as many pictures and get as much information in a uh, easily digestible format as possible. Yeah, that's great. And- then you guys got to get down here to Texas and give us a give us a visit. We got to get Jack across the pond and uh, yeah, yeah. We'll we need we need to go blow some shit up. You know, we're in Texas, so we can go have some fun and uh... <laughs> it's a, it's a state. My time What's there. That? 
a fun state. Texas is fun. It is. I mean, Dallas is a desert. It's flat. You know, it's there's not much pretty to look at here, but uh, it, it is a cool. It is a cool city. There's there's good nightlife and there's cool stuff to see. So. Let's do it, Chris. We'll arrange a trip for next year. We, we, should, we should totally do that. I mean, it's 25th anniversary. You guys should come over here. We'll do some. Maybe we should do spe- something special for your website. You know, we get some yeah. licensed. We get it licensed through Universal, and you guys sell it on your uh, your Jurassic World uh, or Jurassic Outpost site. Hey, perfect. Yeah, hey. no, that sounds fantastic. And uh, Paul, honestly, thank you so much for coming on again. It's been great to speak with you, and I'm sure everybody listening has enjoyed, you know, hearing about the products that are coming and the sure. process behind them. It's mm-hmm. it's it's brilliant. And then thank you again for actually creating products that that we've been waiting for for 20 plus years. Well, thank you, listen, uh, well thanks. I appreciate appreciate that, Chris. I appreciate it, Jack. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know we we set out to get good licenses and we set out to do a good job, and at the end of the day, you know when we have a success like the breakout Rex, we know we're doing something right. So um, all I can say to the fans is, you know, get on our mailing list, stay with us, stay tuned because we've got a lot of stuff coming and we've got a lot of stuff coming that, you know, most people will be shocked about. They'll be like, Oh my gosh, they're making this now, you know, and that's the kind of reaction that we like. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Paul. And um, yeah, I guess we'll speak to you uh, hopefully in a couple of months. Absolutely. You guys have a nice day and uh, don't be strangers. (laughs) 